Hello, Lion Cook Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Lion Cook Thoughts Podcast. On this episode, I get to interview my friend Francesca Zani. Uh, she runs the Garnish Palette blog, and she is also working in various outlets and food media. And the reason I wanted to have her on is because I feel that, you know, we go into this industry and we're either going to be a chef or we're going to be a sommelier or someone in the front of the house. And I feel a lot of us don't really realize there's a bunch more opportunities out there that aren't even directly related to being a line cook. So on this episode, I wanted to talk to someone who took a less conventional path in the industry and went ahead and did something that she was interested in and that she's been doing very well in. So in this episode, Francesca talks about going into food media. You know, she talks about the decisions that led her to that and just realizing that that's the space, that's the career path that she wants to do. And I just think it's really cool that to, I think it's really cool to talk to someone who isn't, you know, just in, isn't in the kitchen because it gives you a different perspective. It lets you see the industry in different ways. And I think her story is really cool. I think what she's doing over at her blog, The Garnish Palette, is really awesome. And I just think the content she puts out is really fun. So feel free to go give her uh, a follow on Instagram. Go check out her blog. But yeah, I think I think anyone looking to maybe even do something on the side in terms of food media would benefit greatly from listening to this podcast. Francesca, thank you so much for coming on. And Line Cook Nation, thank you so much for tuning in once again. Hey, Francesca, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Ray. Thank you so much. I am so excited to finally be on the podcast. It's been months that we've been trying to get this thing going. It has been a while. I'm also excited that you're going to be on. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, we always start with the guests introducing themselves. So if you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself, that'd be great. Sure. Um, my name is Francesca Zani, and I am currently a culinary associate producer for Powerhouse Productions, which is a production company out of New Jersey. Um, time as a culinary associate producer or associate producer for a production company out of New Jersey. And I've done a lot of traveling with the job. I've been there for over a year. And in my free time, I have a blog, a, a lifestyle and food blog called The Garnish Palette. And I've worked with I haven't worked with. I've done co- collaborations or cooperations with other food brands or food-related brands, um, and I always love to post about that on social media. Being that it's become social media has become the center of our lives, so it's important for us to promote ourselves or promote our brand or whatever we're trying to do. So you know that's something that keeps me busy on the side and um, and networking and enjoying and keeping up with the trends. So that's basically me in a nutshell. Nice. Awesome. Uh, Where are you from? I am from Poughkeepsie, New York. Okay. And what was food like for you growing up? So my story is a little bit, it's probably very similar to many. Um, I grew up in an Italian-American household. My parents um, are both Italian. My grandparents on my paternal side, uh, they are from Italy, Tuscany to be specific. And um, I had the opportunity to meet family for the first time. Uh, my grandparents have been in America for dozens from dozens of years since my since before my dad and his siblings were born. They got married here, um, but I got to meet their family in Italy in the, the tiniest little village up the mountainside of Pontremoli, Tuscany called Gropa de Loja, specifically where my grandmother's from, and Versola, where my grandfather's from. And I got to I got to meet them for the first time by myself when I was studying abroad 
in Italy at the Culinary Institute of America. So that was um, a little bit of a life-changing moment, I'd say. And other than that, back in America, I grew up eating amazing food made by both my mother and my father's side of the family. So I'm a pasta maven for sure. It's in my blood. <laughs> Tomato sauce for blood. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what were some, uh, I guess, what were, I mean, obviously, um, sauce was a big part of it, but what were some other dishes that you remember from growing up that you really enjoyed? So regionally, because Italy is so regional with the cuisine, and that's, you know, something that a lot of people know about. But once you actually, when you're there and you actually dive into the culture, then it, it kind of hits you and it's like, oh my God, the food really is so regional and crazy different everywhere you go. So from Tuscany or up in the mountains, northern regions of Italy, I prefer that food. And that's where my family, my, my father's side of the family is from. Um, I grew up eating a lot of spinach ravioli. Um, my grandmother and my mom always talked about testaroli, which is this flat pancake crepe like disc. And it's like probably a foot in diameter. And I never ate it growing up, but I always heard, I always knew about it. So I finally got to taste and try it when I was in Italy. And that was, that was fabulous. And I, I did a post about it on my blog. Um, and torta, torta is a big thing. Torta usually means sandwich or cake in other languages, but torta to us is like this savory pastry, this crusty savory pastry layered with, um, spinach and potatoes or rice so you can have it it's it's savory regardless but it's this delicious combination of ingredients that my grandmother always put together growing up it's like very peasant-like um simple peasant-like delicious and whenever she made it my dad would go pick up some down at their house at Wappinger's Falls for us to have as a snack or for dinner or for lunch the next day after we toasted it in the oven um, and, uh, the other thing we would eat is called La Bamba. And I have I've only had it a couple times growing up, but it's this huge, it's this huge rice bomb, La Bamba Reale, which is the, called, it means the King's bomb. And it's this huge rice bomb. Literally my grandmother makes like a risotto and then she makes a, a stew with pork and veal and beef on the side. And she takes a big steel pot she coats it with butter and breadcrumb and she fills it with a risotto and in the middle of the risotto she makes a hole and fills it with the stew and covers it and she bakes it in the oven and then once it's done she turns over the pot and it it's this huge rice dome or rice bomb and you cut into it like a cake it's amazing and it's it's crazy and it's something really you would only make around the holiday time but she's made it she made it a few times, and I don't remember if it was specifically holiday time or not, but that was a, a, a really great food memory I have because that's not something you see anywhere on any restaurant menu. It's just, it's so traditional to the village in that region of Italy. You know, it's, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that only I can kind of talk about that. I've never met anybody who has had something like that before. Whereas people have had ravioli, many different ways, shapes and forms. But la bamba or torta or testarole is so specific to where my family is from. And I love being able to share those stories or recreate it and talk about it on the blog or here right now. 
Awesome. So you, they were, so your family sounds like they were pretty good cooks. I mean, homemade pasta and all that. Um, yeah. You know, I grew up in an Italian family, and uh, my my grandpa was a great, amazing cook. My grandparents were great cooks, but uh, I actually never. What was that <laughs> Ray Delucci? Yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> but we we never. I actually they never really cooked much of those regional dishes. We'd have obviously the sauce and all that, but uh, they would never really cook. Like I never had homemade pasta growing up. Um, so I always thought it was interesting, uh, because my grandfather was a huge cook, but he always really liked, like, making American food. Um, with some Italian stuff around the holidays, but not a lot of, uh, not a lot of stuff like that. So it's interesting to see that kind of background. And that's, and maybe it's because your grandparents wanted to Americanize themselves, which was what my grandparents wanted to do. And my, my dad and his siblings never learned to speak the language and they really never even learned to cook very much. Um. So that could be why you think that's why. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Um, but I always thought it was funny because, like, you know, I have such an Italian last name, and everyone's like, "Oh, you must have had such good pasta growing up." And I was like, "Yeah, we had good sauce, but the pasta was always like Barilla." So, um, Barilla's a good brand. I passed the factory when I was in Parma on my way to test on on my way to Gropa de Loja. Really? Yeah. That's cool. So you're good with Barilla. <laughs> awesome and so when did you start to realize uh, that you wanted to get into food as like a career path when I was little my mom worked in the restaurant industry she managed um front of the house in a fine dining restaurant in the Hudson Valley um so her influence along with her always she always had the food network on she always had I always remember Rachel Ray 30 minute meals playing I would sit in my rocking chair with my blankies and I would I would watch the food the food network I was mesmerized by it and I would say you know what well I wouldn't say I would think I was a little girl I would go into the kitchen I remember one instance going into the kitchen and I pulled this little black stool that we had at the time up against the counter and I'd take spices out of the spice cabinet and I'd pretend to make something with the spices in a a metal bowl that we these little metal bowls that we have pretending I was actually cooking I was really little um my mom claims that she has it on video. I've never seen the footage, um, <laughs> but I have a memory of that. And I, I just remember always thinking, I want to do that. That was my idea of what a chef was, a quote unquote, what a chef was, even though, you know, the media portrays, portrays um, a chef and a celebrity chef as something very different. Although some are actual chefs and some are home cook. I don't want to, I don't like using the word home cook, but yeah. A home trained chef or somebody who has been self-taught or somebody who is geared towards teaching the the home cook how to cook. Um, it's a different style of cooking, a different a different type of chef. Um, and I've had the pleasure of working with both kinds. So that was my idea of what a chef was. And um, that was how I was always that's how I was inspired by cooking. And my aunt my aunt would always call me Rachel, Rachel Ray. And I dressed as her for Halloween in sixth grade. I wore a little patch that said RR on it. And people thought I was the waitress at Red Robin. <laughs> <laughs> and I carried around her cookbook for the day um, on Halloween. But but that was how I was inspired. Nice. And uh, when did you, um, I mean, so did you have a vocational school in high school? Or when did you start going into like learning about cooking? I did go to vocational school when I was in high school. Um, and I, you know, I was a little hesitant about it because it, 
those sorts of things always have a stigma to it, but it, it doesn't matter. I was, I had a great instructor for two years. I had the same instructor, Darcy Sala. She's fabulous. She went to the culinary. She did really well. She worked in food media and she taught and trained me like a chef at the CIA. She was really strict and she was really good with her students. She's been, she's still there. She's really good with her students. Mm. Um, And to this day, when I'm cutting or chopping something, I think of her and I think of those techniques that she taught me. Um, And I, I got really good exposure when I was, when I was there. And I, and I, it kind of, it helped me, it helped settle those nerves before going to the CIA. So um, that was a really great experience for me while in high school. Okay. That's awesome. I mean, I had the same kind of experience where uh, my uh, chef in vocational school, he was pushing for me to go to the CIA. So while he, you know, I mean, he was very, um, he was never like mean, but he was very uh, strict with me as well in terms of making sure that I knew what I was getting myself into because, yeah, you know, without, I don't know, without him, I feel like I wouldn't even have been to the CIA. So I think it's so cool that vocational instructors, instructors take that much time with you to get you ready. Yes. It's a, it's, it's really nice and it's a really personalized experience and there's not a lot of kids in the class a lot of the time. So they can kind of focus on you one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what was your uh, time like at the CIA? Oh, goodness. My time at the CIA. Well, I was a commuter student because I lived in, um, I live right by the school, but where my family is from in the Hudson Valley. So I think my time there was probably a little bit different um, than somebody living on campus. And I always wonder what it, what it would have been like if I had lived on campus, if maybe I would have gotten involved a little bit more with um, on-campus activities. But I don't regret anything. I was able to do my own thing outside of school. I worked outside of school. I interned with, um, I interned with a woman named Sarah Copeland, who is a James Beard nominated cookbook author and she has she's she writes for the New York Times she develops recipes excuse me she develops recipes for the New York Times she has three cookbooks um the third one that I assisted her on just came just came out in June called Every Day is Saturday and I you know I got to do things like that outside of school which was a big um which was a really good balance for me while I was at the CIA because I you know I didn't want to always be stuck on that stuck in the on-campus life. I wanted to have things going on outside of, outside of the classroom too. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that I was very anxious those first two years of kitchen classes. I was so anxious to the point where I arrived to class a little too early and just worried about what everybody else was doing and thinking. And it, you know, I don't, I don't like that aspect um, of this industry. I think that sometimes especially in the kitchen environment or being a line cook, you get those little, you get those little butterflies in your stomach. Cause you're, it's just, it's the adrenaline of the kitchen. It's like playing a sport mm-hmm. um, and it's demanding and yep. it's, it's unnerving and it's uncomfortable. Um, and I think I, it pushed me to really focus and do really well. And um, I had the pleasure of being group leader my second, I think it was my second year. And my externship was an eye-opening experience. My first time being away from home, living on my own, but my first time working in a restaurant. And it was, I worked in a fine dining restaurant, which was also a relay in Chateau in, in Rhode Island during the summer season. So it was, it was slamming 
most of the time I was working there was about five months and I, I really didn't like it. I had a, a pretty uncomfortable experience in terms of just how intense it was. It was a very intense experience. Um, I learned a lot and I grew a lot while working there and I was proud of myself at the end, but it was, I, I knew before even starting the job that it wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't, I don't want to be a line cook in a restaurant. I don't want to work in a restaurant. I don't want, you know, to deal with that mm-hmm. hierarchy and the pressure and it always depends. It depends everywhere you go. I'm not saying that it's like that everywhere because I've not worked in enough restaurants to know. And I know it's just not like that. Every kitchen team is different. The camaraderie is different between different kitchen teams all over the country and the world. But I just knew that it wasn't for me. And I probably didn't help the experience. Um, I knew I needed the, I knew I needed to get the experience and work in a kitchen as a line cook, try it out. But the CIA definitely prepared me for it. But while I was there, it was hard. Um, And then I think I'd say my bachelor, being in the bachelor's program was probably my favorite because I had the balance. There was more of a balance outside of, I think that's during my bachelor's program was when I was interning with Sarah Copeland. And I, you know, so I had the balance of you know, working hands-on outside of school or doing events on campus. And then having that, you know, going to class and learning Italian and learning about food studies and the anthropology of food. And then I got to go abroad to Italy. And it was a good culmination of both hands-on and academic work. And the, and I felt that I could kind of, I'm very, I like, I like kind of working independently and doing my own thing and thinking to myself. And like, I always went to the library after class or between classes and kind of worked and and wrote and did my own thing. And, um, and so I, I liked, I liked that. Um, I liked that balance and being able to do my own research and I don't know. I, I actually like, I haven't thought about it a whole lot, but I definitely think like the bachelor's program, the applied food studies program was my favorite part of the experience and going to Italy. And I kind of had the opportunity to, I did a digital food media focused magazine when I was there. So that was a project I got to do outside of the classroom as well that I had wanted to work on. And I tried to get the digital media club to publish it. And it was, and that was a lot of work trying to, to push for like something to be printed or, something to be posted throughout the school about it. Um, and the CIA uh, media relations team helped help get it published, but it didn't get, you know, a lot of push or anything like that. But I was proud of it. And it was a good portfolio piece for me because it was like, I'm in this applied food studies program. There's no food media or communications program at the CIA, but I'm going to make this program be meaningful to me. And I'm going to take what I need out of it to move forward in my education and in my career. Okay. Awesome. And so, you know, well, I want to get more into food media before we go into that. It seems like Italy had a big uh, impact on you. What, it, what was it about Italy that was so impactful that trip? Hang on very one second. I have to plug my computer in. Very good. All right. 
what was what was so impactful about the Italy trip? That is a big, that is a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I think that was my first time being abroad, especially on my own. I didn't, growing up, my family didn't travel a whole lot. We would go on vacation every summer, but we never traveled like that before. So I had, you know, that was exhilarating in itself and I was doing it alone and I was, you know, I was friends with the people on the trip, but I wasn't with any of my best friends or anything like that. So it was definitely a so more solo experience. And I, as soon as I got there, it wasn't like, I think if I were to be in like Florence or Rome or a really populated city, it would be a little bit different, but we were in the heel of Italy. We were in the guts of the country where <laughs> people kind of live slowly and traditionally and classically and the places close at five o'clock places open at eight o'clock in the morning. You know, it just, it was a different way of life. And, and I liked being in that in the heart of what I think Italy is. Mm-hmm. It's different on both the North and the South ends of, of course, and in, in every region you go, but I just felt like, especially since we were there on off season, cause it's a very touristy, it can be a very touristy spot during the summertime. Cause it's on the, it's right on the coast. Um, but I just felt that, we got to kind of live life slowly and very European, like being there. We'd get up, we went to class, we went home. I listened to the sounds of goats and sheep buying different octaves all night long while we slept at the Mazzeria, which was behind a, a goat and sheep farm. And there was, you know, a little little grocery store down the street if we wanted to go get anything. There was a little deli, the Castello itself, where we got to learn about different where we got to cook and we had our lectures every day. That was fabulous. Um, but I really like the vintage classic Italian way of living. And I think that kind of changed my mindset a little bit. I got to enjoy just getting up and doing something I loved and learning and then going home at the end of the day. And blo- I blogged pretty much every day or I wrote or did classwork outside of school. And then we all gathered around a long table to eat dinner at the end of the night and then we'd go to bed and it was just it was nice and that itself was impactful and just realizing the simplicities of life right i don't know did you have the opportunity to go to italy i don't know i um i wanted to but it ended up being full that concentration and then i would have had to have uh stayed an extra semester i don't know it was like i was i, I ended up not being able to go um so I ended up going to California for the farm to table experience, which was also like for me, it was very impactful. So, and that's all that's important. That's awesome. That is awesome. For some reason I thought you went. No, I was planning on going, but it was like something with my schedule or credits or like something wasn't going to be able to get covered. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what the reason was, but ended up just uh, going to California and And ended up doing a favor. Yeah, it was really great. I mean, I do plan on going to Italy in the next couple of years to go visit it finally because it is my heritage. Um, I'd also love to go see Poland too at some point because those are my two uh, ethnicities. Oh, Polish. That's awesome. I've always been – Poland's always been very interesting to me too. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know a lot about the country, but I know just the World War II history. I think I find it it pretty interesting. Um, Yeah. For some reason, it's just, and it's a country you don't talk a lot. People don't talk a lot about Poland and 
Slovakia, and Germany, kind of, sort of, even Scandinavia, those countries, I think that they're so interesting. And we don't like France, Spain, and Italy, we're always like learning about talking about eating about studying history. It, we know so much. It's so concentrated in what we know about those places. But Poland is, I don't know. Did you learn about Polish, anything Poland related in school? Um, I mean, not really. No, I didn't really learn anything in school. And in terms of family, uh, I had a great grandmother who passed away a couple of years ago who um, didn't really speak any English. And so she, but she was like the closest uh, I was, I have seen to Poland. Um, but other than that, I mean, like half my family is Polish. So we'd have like Polish dinners and stuff like that. But beyond that, I really That's don't know much. So I'd love to go and immerse myself. What did those dinners consist of? Uh, I mean, uh, like fresh Polish sausage, smoked Polish sausage, sauerkraut, uh, pierogies, uh, pickled fish, a um, bunch of stuff like that. Delicious. Delicious. Yeah, really good. It was solid. My uh, my one aunt is really good at making pierogies, and she makes this, like, uh, this onion soup, which is really good. Mm. So, yeah, I really enjoy her cooking. But, um, yeah, I mean... So getting to go to Italy is something that I definitely am looking forward to. What, uh, if yes. there, are there any other countries that you would want to go visit? I, um, definitely, definitely, like I said, Poland, Germany, anywhere in Scandinavia, the Netherlands. Um, I think I might be going to France for a couple of days next month. We're going to visit my brother in London. So we might go zip over to, Paris and I've never cool. France, but I'm just really interested in visiting countries like I said that we don't really know a lot about. I find them really fascinating for some reason. You too, you too. Thanks. Uh, moving on to kind of the next topic, or I guess what I really wanted to get to kind of pick your brain about is uh, food media. I mean, it's not the conventional path to take uh, when you're going into the industry. I mean, most of us get out of college and we go into a cooking position. Um, or are we going to like management, but, uh, you going to food media, uh, I thought was really cool to see because, you know, it's different and it's what you knew. It was like your lane and you knew that, but I mean, was it hard for you to choose that because everyone else was going in a, such a different direction or were you kind of just ready to do it? Well, I, like I said, I was, I was inspired by food media when I was really little, when my mom would put the food network on, when I was. A, a wee little, a wee little gal, and I, that's where I, I always thought a chef was. And when I got to the culinary, I was like, oh, yeah, restaurants, line cooks, executive chefs, this whole Michelin star thing. I don't really know. I think for a hot second, I was like, yeah, this is really, really cool, and I still do think it's cool, but it's not for me. And there's some, it's a, there's a different kind of creativity and livelihood and excitement and thrill that comes with food media and a lot more people need to get into it and it's hard to break into that industry and I think it might be because you have to have so many years of experience a lot of the time to work as a producer to be a food stylist or to write a cookbook you know for instance and a lot of these jobs are often freelance positions and a lot of these jobs are often jobs that people take later in their career when they come. I, you know, I was offered some other things, you know, full-time gigs at the time. And, and um, 
it, it seems like it was centuries ago, but it was really only a little over a year ago, all of this. It's crazy wow. to think how much has happened during the last year. But when I was in Italy, I was calling Rochelle, Rochelle Brown and Sonia Armstead are my bosses. They own Powerhouse Productions. And they were the original, one of a couple of the original producers at the Food Network. Hmm. And um I met them when I was working. Uh, I was assisting Kirsty Bowser, a food stylist who um, is very well known at the CIA. She was the first food stylist that I had the opportunity to work with at the CIA doing like a little, there was a little shoot that they were doing um, and they needed a student assistant. I met her. I stayed connected with her and um, I, I met her. I stayed connected with her and graduated college or a little before even that food media is a lot of it is freelance work okay. um, and I was I was freelancing a lot of the time for free about six months after I graduated from the CIA it was un it was unnerving because I felt like I was chasing work all the time I'd go home at the end of the day and I was emailing people and following up I was on a I was on hold for one or two jobs and I was like oh my gosh I hope I get I hope I can work the next one or two days oh my gosh oh my gosh and it pays fairly well and you have to think too you're in New York City and you're working as an independent contractor technically so you know, it, it should pay pretty well. Um, but mm. my regard, like disregarding that I was just starting out and I was putting my foot in the door and meeting all these different people. And I, I had and wanted to work for free just so that I could make the connections and create a network. Um, but it is oftentimes, you know, the more you work with certain people and, you know, the better work ethic you have, or it also depends on how you connect with certain stylists you know, they'll call you back for work in the rotation of other people. And a lot of them had their, you know, assistants that worked with them full time, full time or, you know, whenever they had a gig. So, you know, you kind of had to keep keep on them or keep on other people to make sure that you had work um, lined up for you. But it was hard. I mean, there were weeks where I wasn't working at all. And I'd go home and and keep myself busy in other ways. But I noticed, and I was applying for full-time work, too. Uh, Chrissy Bowser, food stylist, CIA alum. She's fabulous, amazing, and she was the first woman that I got to work with in the food media world. I want to say she probably, I want to say she was the first woman, um, woman. She's a chef. She's a, she used to be a model turned chef. And, um, she went to the CIA later on in her life, kind of as a career changer. And I assisted her. I stayed in touch with her after that day. And she asked me to assist her on Patty LaBelle's cooking show, um, while she was the food stylist, food stylist, culinary producer of that. And that's where I met my current bosses, Rochelle Brown and Sonia Armstrong, because they are the executive producers of Patty LaBelle's cooking series. I believe there's, there's only two seasons, um, at the at the moment of that and I assisted on the second season and it was the most intense experience I had had up until that point um I would say like working like a 15-hour shift as a line cook with non-stop <laughs> tickets coming in throughout like what a three four hour service period it was like crazy intense like that um, just the running around, the long hours. My feet hurt so bad to the point where I would sit in the bathroom during the day. Like I'd go into the bathroom for a couple minutes and sit on the floor to rest my feet because it was crazy. Dang. We'd run errands. 
I was living in New Jersey with a friend for about eight days. It was a crazy intense experience, but I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to be here doing this sort of thing. Um, and this was my first real big exposure to that food media, cooking set, behind the scenes life, what I had always kind of envisioned myself to do, mm-hmm. um, especially early on in my career. So when I was in culinary school, I stayed in touch with Christy Bowser. And um, when I was in Italy, I, I remember calling, it was the semester before I graduated. So I was trying to line up work for myself afterward. And, and I was, I was for the, probably even before that, I kept calling them, emailing them, texting them, just very professionally trying to put myself out there and say, you know, do you have any work available? And over the summer, something kind of clicked and happened while I was freelancing. And it was months later after graduating and they had something available. I think they, they're a very small team and they've not had a culinary produced culinary associate producer before or culinary producer at all. They've not had one work for them full time and they had the position open. They wanted to hire me because they had a lot of this past year, we did a lot of food. Um, a lot of cooking shows for a new network called Clio TV, which is the sister network to TV one. And they wanted to bring me on and it has been such a blessing, thrilling, such a blessing, such a thrill to be a part of the team. I feel, I feel like I'm getting a little choked up talking about it because I feel so grateful for this experience. And it's so hard to get into this food media world and to work in it's an intense it's an intense industry it's a small world within itself especially working with those food stylists everybody kind of knew each other all the assistants kind of knew each other and editorial is very different than tv and i was mostly doing editorial assisting when i was freelancing um but the TV world is, you know, it's, it's its own world and it's its own intensity. And there's, I have so much to learn. I have so much to learn. But just the fact that I was able to break in through these women, giving me this opportunity through Kirsty having connected me and have been having been such an amazing mentor for those years. And now I'm, I'm very grateful. And it's a lot of the time I always say it's about networking and being persistent. You just have to push, 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 push until somebody says no. You have to push. And it doesn't matter what industry you are in or how hard it may be to get into doing whatever you love to do, or you just have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. The ambitious, the tenacity, it will come through. People will see it. They'll love it or they'll hate it. And then you move on. But that is the key. To success yeah and um and you know this right you know this but um but yeah that is to to start that is in a nutshell how i broke in and i i got what i wanted no so, i mean i'm very grateful it's kind of crazy that like you know at least when a lot of people leave culinary or they get into a profession they know that they're going to have steady rate of pay and that they're going to have a steady job. But I mean, I couldn't imagine like just doing freelance work. I had, I'm sure it was stressful. I mean, you shared it was stressful, but you know, which is especially in the restaurant industry where things change so quickly. I mean, you know, it's a lot to take on, you know, as your like job. 
in the beginning. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, and I, I will say that I wasn't, I wasn't really proud of myself for graduating college and freelancing. I was like, uh, I don't, I don't really think that this looks good. And it, it, and I shouldn't say that because it doesn't matter. Like you can be, there are so many, I mean, they're most of the food media world. Most of the, like, it's a very successful, people are very successful freelancing. And who am I to say that I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't be proud or feel bad that I was doing that. But I think because I was like, you know, I really should have a full-time job after graduating with a bachelor's degree and I should be gaining some sort of experience somewhere, even if it's not doing what I love because I, you know, this freelancing thing, it's not steady and it's, it's hit or miss. Um, and it's probably not the best thing to do at 21 years old after graduating college, yeah. not having, you know, a network built a net, like a big enough network or me having, not having made a name for myself. It's not, it's not good. And I still haven't. So, but it's, it's definitely different and it's not the course that a lot of people take either. So you're absolutely right. There are more, it's more, more traditional thing to do which I don't like saying more traditional, but a lot of the time people go towards, you know, working for a restaurant group or working for a, a highly acclaimed restaurant or working front of house somewhere, back of house. Um, I mean, the food applied food studies program or food studies in general is so big too. And, you know, people go on to get their master's degree in food studies or they'll work for um, different companies that focus on food waste and, sustainability and that's big in itself too yeah Um, and that's new and up and coming but but yeah well i mean i think the cool thing and the thing that like the reason i wanted to have you on is i want people to know especially people our age or people leaving the culinary or starting the profession that it's okay to not want to be the chef like it's okay to not want to be on the line for all your 20s and going into your 30s in hopes of you know, getting a star or running a kitchen. Like if you were really passionate about food media or you're really passionate about sharing the stories of others, like, you know, and making people more aware of certain things that you're passionate about. And like, that's the role you you've taken on. Like it's okay to go do that. And like, I feel there's a lot more people in our industry who would love to do what you're doing, but they just feel so pressured by their peers or by what's already been set aside from them or or in front of them that they won't do it. And I think, yeah, you know, I mean, like, what are your thoughts on that? 100%. And I will say that, you know, my mom having experience working in a restaurant for many years, I think she didn't really understand. I love her. I love my mom. I hate even even talking about her like this. And it's not bad. But I think it's a very traditional way of school of thought, where you go to the culinary, you're going to become a chef, you're going to work in a restaurant, you need that experience. And a lot of these food media, a lot of these celebrity chefs, and a lot of people in food media working in recipe testing and developing R&D or working um, as food stylists, uh, working um, as culinary producers, a lot of them have restaurant experience. And I'm always intimidated by that because I'm like, oh, I don't have, I'm 22, 23 years old and I don't really have a lot of restaurant experience. I probably need more. I, should I do it? Should I, should I go back and work in a restaurant or whatever this or that, the other thing? I'm always thinking of these things. 
And my mom kind of didn't really understand, you know, for those years, I was like, Mom, I don't want to work in a restaurant. She's like, you know, I remember her saying to me once or twice, like, why are you going to culinary? Why are you there if you don't want to do this or that? And I'm like, I just, it would agitate me because I'm like, I don't need to work in a restaurant. To I don't need to go to the culinary to work in a restaurant. Or I don't need to, let me rephrase that. I don't need just because I'm going to the culinary doesn't mean I'm going to become a quote unquote chef in a restaurant. And that always that to this day still kind of annoys me because it because I think some people still have that. It's still that traditional school of thought. And the fact that they brought in the food studies program, and they're expanding the they're expanding that whole sustainability and food, um, food waste and that whole realm of what you could do in the food industry. Slow Food is an organization I'm a part of in New York City, and that has a lot to do with like the food studies program and what they offer, um, similar topics and things. Like that's its own, you know, a whole different entity. And that a lot of those jobs that you could get don't really have to do with working in a restaurant or working in a kitchen. Sometimes, food policy, you know, that's very political. Working for the, you know, working for the FDA or the government in some way. And I really appreciate the fact that the CIA is now trying to bring that into the world of what the culinary, what the food industry is, is because it, it's not all about working in a restaurant as a chef or as a line cook. It's, it's not. And that's what some people want to do. That's what a lot of people want to do. Um, or even managing a restaurant or working front of house in some aspect or having a catering business and all that and that's all wonderful and great hospitality is everything but there are other ways to work and love what you do in food Mm. and so I think it's I think people are you know getting more the idea now but I just remember those conversations with my mom were frustrating because I always thought I always you always think parent your parents are right they're always right listen to your parents and I still do listen to my parents a lot about things but I that always bothered me because I was like maybe she's right maybe I have to do that and I really don't want to I really don't want to work in a restaurant I don't like it I don't like how demanding it is I don't like how intense it could be I don't the, one of the reasons I love food styling is because you can focus on the craft of creating something beautiful with beautiful props and beautiful food and things that you you hand pick at the at the grocery store to make some like a beautiful story in a photo and it's that's important to me and that's what I love about it it's a little more refined and slow and it's about the product. It's not about how fast you can make something and timing and getting it up in the window and out to the customer. It's about the story behind it and how beautiful you can make it. Yeah. And I think it's really mature of you to like realize what, what you want. And I think it's really cool that you know, you know, like, like you said, like maybe working in a restaurant wasn't for you, but you know what works for you and you're going to play to your strengths instead of trying to bet on the weaknesses because someone else thinks something of it. So I, I don't know. I just think it's really cool. Yeah, it's, it is, it is, um, it is very cool. What, uh, so for people who are looking to get into food media, maybe had those same, having those same conversation. I mean, I even had like, people thought it was weird that I was doing a podcast on the side. Like you're doing your whole like career based on 
media. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's so interesting. People were thinking that people thought that you were doing a podcast on the side. Yeah, also, some people did. But um, I guess my question is, is like, you know, there's a lot of people out there and I've talked to them uh, on Instagram and stuff like where they want to do more than just be in the kitchen. So I guess, you know, hearing your story is going to help them. But what should they like be looking to do if they want to get into food media and like get really serious about it? I think um, it's so hard. It's so hard to say because I'm 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 young and new at this myself. But in my own experience, I would say networking, networking, and staying in touch with your network is so imperative. You never know who you're going to meet and how somebody is going to change your life. You never know. I didn't know that I would, like I said, I didn't know I'd be working for the women that I'm working for today just through Chef Kirsty Bowser. I had like, that was an opportunity I feel that comes far and few between. And I mean, they were very, they were intimidating. They, They were the executive producers of that set of Patti LaBelle's cooking show. I never knew that I would get to, I didn't interact with them at all, really at all when I was, um, assisting Kirsty. So just to think that now I, I interact with them every day. I work with them one-on-one and it's, it's just amazing how networking and staying in touch with your network can do wonders for you and being humble. You must always stay humble. And this is stuff across the board, no matter what job and what any industry that you are going to get or take on. Um, but I think that was the most important thing for me. Um, I've also reached out to people. I will go online. I will search up culinary producers or food stylists. And I will just re- like re- reach out to people that I find on websites through agencies. A lot of, a lot of uh, stylists and food and prop stylists are represented by agencies. So, you know, you'll go on those sites and you'll find their contact information and you'll just email them and you'll continue to email them until you get a response. And that's a way to connect. I've asked to call, have phone calls with people and just, you know, to hear out what they do, what they're, what it's like for them, how they broke into the industry themselves and what advice they can offer me. Um, and I think being involved with organizations like in New York city, there's an organization called the New York city women's culinary Alliance or women's culinary Alliance, New York city. Um, and that's also another great organ organizations like that. You're able to network with people. Um, and it, it all comes down to networking and staying in touch with your network. It is so, so important. And so really to how I have um, been able to do what I've been able to do and just your work ethic too. people, you know, you go above and beyond what people expect of you. They have more respect for you and they offer you more or when you ask for things, they're willing to help you. Um, and just having humility. I those are s- just so important. And like I said, that it's kind of across the board in any in any industry in any job. Nope. So awesome. nothing out of the ordinary, <laughs> no. ultimately. But that's yeah, that's my advice to all those out there. Okay, thank you for that. Into the industry. Uh, and then I guess the last thing I want to talk about was the garnish palette. How did that start and why have you, or what, why do you enjoy continuing with the blog? Like, what is it about blogging that you like? The garnished palette. Yes. <laughs> I started that a long time ago. I think I started that in 2015 and it was on 
a little dinky, little dinky site. And <laughs> I, right before I went to Italy, I kind of changed things up. I switched over plat- my platform and I wanted to make it a little more authentic. And I wrote at almost every day or oh, many times a week when I was there. And um, that kind of, people paid attention to my posts a lot, a lot of family and friends and stuff on Facebook when I would post them post my put my post through Facebook and Instagram people would pay attention and comment um I had a lot of feedback from that and um after that I just continued and I was like when I was freelancing the days that I wasn't working I would excuse me I would take time to reach out to brands I was like I want to kind of try and do this whole like let me see if I can connect with brands and see if people are interested in like working with me or saying like, here, I have something to offer. I will write about you. If you send me a product for free, I'll develop a recipe with it and I will write about it and post about it. And then you can kind of repost it and you know, that'll help promote me a little bit. And I've done that a few times. Harney and Sons Tea sponsored my blog for a year and I'm very grateful for that. That was really awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And thereafter I have worked with, um, a few others and you and I even did a little something for some time just kind of helping promote each other and mm-hmm. I just think that I've noticed a lot in a lot in the food media especially people who have their own brands and cookbooks and who develop recipes and who are writers that they tend to do a lot of sponsored collaborations and I always find that really fascinating I think it's really fun to be able to say that you're this person and that you're working with such and such brand and you're kind of coming together to create something that mimics what you are about and that mimics the brand. I think it's really cool and I think it's a really great way to connect and network and help create a name for yourself. Um, so that's that's something I love to do and it's something that I hope takes off a little bit more in the future. Um, but it's kind of something that I do on the side and I'm, I love writing and I freelance write for um, I've done a lot of writing for Today Media and the Poughkeepsie Journal specifically. And I've done, I wrote an article about a collaboration I did for the Hudson Valley Magazine. So I've, you know, I writing is one of my favorite things to do um, outside of producing production work. Um, and it's food media. So I, I love all aspects of food media and I love what we're doing right now, talking about food on a podcast (laughs) that, you know, has to do about, has to do with the food industry. It's all of this is so great and it's promoting what food media is more and that people need to get into it more. So uh, the Garnish Palette is just a culmination of all of these things that I'm passionate about. And I'm still trying to find my voice. I think that's fair to say that I'm still trying to find my voice in it and how exactly I want it to be unique and different from what others are doing because there's so many blogs and so many websites out there that are gorgeous and amazing lots of beautiful food photography and food styling and and props and people working with different brands and i'm trying to figure out how mine can be set apart from those yeah definitely but i love it i love doing it so i'm glad to hear um great so uh i mean is there any uh is there anything you would want to talk about or i mean basically like you you've answered everything i've wanted to address and you gave some pretty great advice for anybody getting into the industry so i don't know if there's any topics you wanted to talk about or anything you wanted to promote or um yeah i mean the floor is yours right now <laughs> whatever you i'm i 
Whatever you think I should, really, whatever you think I should talk about, right? Um, I mean, I guess I'd be interested in to know, like, what are some, uh, I don't know, like, what are some podcasts maybe you listen to, books you read recently that you would recommend, or, you know, anything in media that you uh, consume that you would recommend to uh, fellow culinarians? Well, podcast-wise, I'm always, I like to listen to, um, it's on Heritage Radio Network, and it's called um, A Taste of the Past by Linda Palaccio. I love that. If you're really into food history, especially, that's a great that's a great podcast to listen to. Um, I also listen to Skimmed from the Couch, and that's not food media. That's not food related. It can be depending on who they have, but it's two women who have made a name for themselves, and they bring on a lot of the time female leaders in, in any industry, uh, CEOs. Um, to from CEOs to activists to authors, it it could be anybody, and they're just it's really interesting the way they gauge the questions to the women. It's all it's female focused, and we're all about females these days. But yeah. it's it's um I really love the women that I've oh I just I'm not a I'm not always I don't always have time or want to listen to podcast or read things just because in the morning and it's usually in the morning if I have time to do those things and I'm usually like I prefer to kind of just like try to sleep on the train but if I do I'm always listening to those podcasts skim from the couch and the women that go on there are just so they have so many good things to say so intellectual um so interesting the questions that are asked are great Hmm. um that's a good that's a really inspiring podcast to listen to Awesome. And then Cherry Bomb. Cherry Bomb is fabulous always. <laughs> nice. That's great. And then any books that you uh, enjoy? or Books that I enjoy. I don't necessarily read. I haven't, um, I haven't read. <laughs> this is embarrassing, so don't include this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm most, I'm a big magazine person. I get, um, I have subscriptions to like Food and Wine magazine and Bon Appetit magazine. And I love, love, love staying up with the industry trends through that, through that. Um, I mean, it makes sense. You're in food media, like, of course. (laughs) Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Awesome. Exactly. So Bon Appetit, I love Bon Appetit. They're just, it's a very millennial, I want to say it's a very millennial focused, like it, the food just jumps off the page in a very different way than a lot of other magazines that you see. And it's just, it's a delicious and messy and amazing and colorful and gorgeous and like concentrated in some interesting way, the way they style the food, the props they use, it's just it's gorgeous. And I love, I love Bon Appetit and it's funny. They're funny. They're really funny. And it's a, it's a cute bunch of people that work there. Um, just, you can tell the comrade, they have good camaraderie and um, the stories they tell and, and just the way they write and giggle about it's Bon Appetit magazine. Fabulous. Awesome to hear. Uh, great. Well, um, you know, before we get to, I guess the end of this, uh, I just want to know, like, what um what's like what would be your goal i guess like in terms of so i mean i know like i have a goal of you know being a big force in a restaurant group or running a restaurant group what is your goal like your career goal in like 10 to 15 years 
That is a loaded question again. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I've always kind of been striving for the same thing. And I feel like I'm, you know, from when I was little and in high school and college, the, the idea of what I wanted to do and be, I, I feel that I am great. I'm grateful to say that I am on that path. And I am so, I am so grateful um, to say that I am on that path. And I, I think just what I've gotten, I've been exposed to different things like working with um, Kirsty Bowser, Sarah Copeland, or my, just in the current job, I've seen different aspects of the industry and I'm still trying to decide, you know, figure out what it is that I want. Do I want to continue down the TV world? Do I want to continue being in television or do I want to go more editorial and work, you know, work on cookbooks and magazines and uh, do more things that involve more writing and working on a set, uh, creating recipes and shooting all day or working in a kitchen, developing and testing recipes or have my own brand and, and write my own cookbooks or, or books in general. I do not know. <laughs> I do not know. It's so hard to say because I, I have so much to learn still, but I have an idea. And I think ultimately is, you know, making a name for myself and having my own brand and something that is unique to unique to me and, and set apart from what others are doing. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, hey, it's great. It's you're going to be I mean, I really don't know either. I mean, everything kind of changed last year. Uh, so, you know, I think you we're in a time right control. now. What's up? Yeah. Is that you only have so much control. You yeah. you know, we work and hard and strive for what we for what we want, but sometimes people different people come into your life and different opportunities arise and and set you in a direction you never thought you would go in and it it works out for the best. So you never know, but, and that, you know, that could be for anybody. So yeah. it's all just keeping open, keeping an open mind and learning as much as you can and being humble and true to yourself. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, I mean, you know, I end all my interviews kind of the same way. Uh, what does it mean for you to have come on the Lion Cook Thoughts podcast and share your story and be a part of a community of food, uh, interested people who just want to learn more and be more connected? What does it mean for me? Mm -hmm. It means the world to me. No, I have been, I'm so excited, Ray. This is the first time I've ever done a podcast. And um, I think you're doing something really amazing here. You are creating such an amazing community for um, a niche of people in the industry. And I'm really proud that I'm able to talk about food media and something that not a lot of people are talking about or exposed to or, um, people who want to get into it. I'm, I'm just, I hope that I'm able to help and inspire people to get involved and not be afraid and to do what they love through your podcast. Awesome. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and, you know, good luck with everything. And I'm sure this won't be the last time you're on the show. I'm sure you're going to have a lot to talk about in a year or two and, you know, come back on and we'll do it again. But thank you for being willing to come on and share your story. Thank you very much, Ray. I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And best of luck to you and, and your endeavors and how amazing you are. You as well. Thank you. So there you have it, the interview with Francesca Zani. Thank you so much, Francesca, for coming on. It means a ton that you would come on the podcast and chat about food media for a little bit. And I hope the cooks or the people in the food industry listening got a lot out of it. Uh, just so you all know, we were featured in an Eater article, an Eater Young Guns report. 
Uh, a couple months ago, I asked you what you wanted to see out of the industry in terms of change, and that made it into the article. So I hope you all get to read it. Uh, feel free to contact me for the link. Other than that, thank you all so much for tuning in for another week of Lion Cook Thoughts, and we'll see you next week on the podcast.